0: Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Judah Newby and Brian Perkins breaking down all things Seahawks. now in motion from left to right. Poseidon in the back here. comes a four-man rush and going to throw to the end zone. He's got a man. Jimmy Graham! Does he hang on to it? He does! Touchdown! Seahawks! Jimmy Graham jumps up and spikes the ball. Another spectacular sliding, diving, one-armed it looks like from here. Reception by number 88, this guy is unbelievable. And welcome into the Gameplay and Podcast, a Friday edition ahead of week one of the NFL regular season. And the Seahawks going to Lambeau, paying a visit to Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Welcome in, Judah Newby here with you. Solo edition today because Brian Perkins is on vacation. He will be back with us again next week. And because we are in the middle of or starting the season, we are going back to a regular schedule. Game plan podcasts will be released on Mondays and Fridays or Tuesdays. Should the Seahawks play on Monday night as they will later in the season against Atlanta, but Fridays before the, uh, the game on Sunday, Mondays following the game on Sunday, be posted probably sometime around 10 AM recording this one today around 10 AM right now. And uh, week one is upon us. Last night, the Chiefs pulled off a pretty shocking result in Foxborough, 42-27 uh, to 27 over Tom Brady and the Patriots. Hard to see that one coming from pretty much all angles. Kareem Hunt, 246 all-purpose yards, which is a new NFL record for a rookie in his uh, NFL debut. Pretty amazing from him. Alex Smith with the four touchdown passes on point. Tyreek Hill making some big plays, too, and the Chief defense really stepping up in the second half. Looks like they're taking it personally that I left them out of the playoffs in my NFL predictions. We'll get to more of those NFL predictions later on. Uh, Perkins did text in his pick for week one. I have mine ready as well. That will be at the end of the podcast. But uh, it's all about Seahawks and Packers, and let's just get right into it. I'll talk about the matchup here in a second, but whenever you say Seahawks-Packers, the first thing that comes to mind for me is the shared history between these two teams not only in terms of the games that they played against one another and the notable results, but the uh, the familiar faces that they share. Ted Thompson grooming uh, Mike Holmgren up as, as a head coach, Holmgren coaching Brett Favre, taking him to a Super Bowl, Matt Hasselbeck being drafted to Green Bay, uh, developing the West Coast offense there, backup quarterback to Brett Favre there for a while. Then Mike Holmgren makes the switch out to Seattle, brings the West Coast offense out there, following Dennis Erickson's tenure, brings Matt Hasselbeck with him. West Coast offense arrives in Seattle, and you begin the Mike Holmgren era, which begins this string of success that the Seahawks have had that was really previously unprecedented in terms of uh, stringing together good seasons all in a row. Um, you got a lot of uh, familiar names other than Matt Hasselbeck that are shared between between the Packers and the Seahawks, but of also you have some of the classic, classic matchups for me, I think about 2003, that that was an emotionally scarring game for me. Wild card of the playoffs. I think I was in sixth grade at the time, and uh, the Seahawks going to Lambeau. First real big opportunity to uh, to to take the next step in the home grid era. And, of course, this one went to overtime. It was a really well-played football game, a really cold game that January Sunday morning in Lambeau Field. 27-27, I remember uh, Ryan Longwell who ended up playing for the Seahawks a couple postseasons ago, had a 47-yard field goal to win the game at the end of regulation, and he came up like five yards short, and he gave it everything he had. That kind of shows you what kind of day it was, Uh, wind and and the temperature really not allowing the ball to sail through the air. Seahawks survived there. It goes to overtime, and Matt Hasselbeck and John Randall go out to call the toss, and Hasselbeck wins the toss. It goes heads, and he says, we want the ball, and we're going to score. I don't think anybody will forget that anytime soon. Of course, uh, the team's traded punts coming out of the overtime, and then when the Seahawks got the ball back and were approaching midfield, had a third down, uh, Hasselbeck checked out of some pressure that he sensed was coming from the Green Bay defense and had a hot route to Alex Bannister. There was a miscommunication-slash-missed throw, and it was easily picked off by Al Harris and returned to the house for a pick-six to win the game and walk it off for the Packers 33-27. Uh, then, uh, of course, Seattle ended up going to the Super Bowl in 2005. Ended up losing to the Steelers. In 2007, they won a wild card game at home against the Redskins pretty comfortably. And that following divisional round in, in the 07 season, I think January of 08, they go into Lambeau and take a 14 nothing lead right away. Touchdown for Sean Alexander and Bobby Ingram. I remember it was like five minutes into the game and the Seahawks were up 14 nothing. But it was fool's gold because the Packers erupted, uh, I think, for 42 straight after that. They ended up winning 42-20. And you remember the iconic uh, in the snow, Brett Favre tumbling, stumbling, bumbling, underhand uh, completion for a first down. Uh, Brett Favre, that was his game. He took over. He was the best player on the field. Packers win 42-20. Go to the NFC title game. Ended up losing to the New York Giants in overtime and probably the coldest game played. Um, other than the Ice Bowl, I believe. And uh, the Giants ended up upsetting the previously undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl that year, the 2007 season. But that divisional round, that sticks with me as well. And then uh, the more modern matchups between Packers and Seahawks. 2012. I actually kind of forget about this game. The Fail Mary game with the replacement refs. This is week three. This is Monday Night Football, Russell Wilson's rookie season. Aaron Rodgers comes into town, and the defense was unstoppable in this game, I remember. Seven sacks in the first half of Aaron Rodgers, and uh, it it was kind of an ugly game. The Seahawks offense was brutal, and the Seahawks defense was amazing. That's kind of what I remember most from it, and it was 12-7 going to the final drive, and it's 4th and 10 with 12 seconds to go from the 30-yard line, and Wilson rolls out to his right, you know, curls back to his left and just unleashes a ball as he gets hit deep into the end zone. And Morgan Burnett pretty much intercepts it, but somehow uh, Golden Tate is underneath it. Golden Tate, by the way, when was the last time you thought about him with the Seahawks? It's been a while, uh, but he's underneath it and he pulls it out for the touchdown. Uh, allegedly, it gets reviewed and confirmed somehow. And that is the end of the replacement refs. Really? No one could handle it after that. That was such a National story. It was almost eerie. It was almost as if, um, I mean, it was crazy how much national attention. Like Good Morning America, all the morning shows, all the morning talk shows everywhere were talking about this game and the failure of the referees. Um, and that's sort of what I remember most from that game. Is not as much the play itself, but the attention of the and the amount of fallout that that came after it. Crazy game. Seahawks won fourteen to twelve. Uh, amazing. And then, uh, let's see, they didn't play in 2013, and then in 2014, they the Seahawks win the Super Bowl in 2013. They open up the season at home on that Thursday night, and I'm actually, uh, I watched that game in 2014, that season opener, right where I'm standing right now, recording this podcast in the studios here at 102.9 The Game in downtown Portland. Um, and the Seahawks won that season opener 36-16. I remember they were sacking Rogers pretty good, and... Um, there was a pop pass for a touchdown, I think, to Ricardo Lockett. Beast Mode had 110 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Uh, it was awesome, and and I, that that was a special, special performance and such a special atmosphere. I remember Soundgarden was playing in the pregame concert. It was it was just like a coronation that this was going to be another year that the Seahawks would go to the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Um, ultimately, they would go. Uh, 12 and 4 that year. The Packers would also go 12 and 4, but because the Seahawks beat Green Bay in week one, does doesn't sound familiar? Seahawks had home field advantage. I uh, just got breaking news that Eric Berry is out for the season with a ruptured Achilles tendon, an MRI confirmed, and I wanted to read that just now because Eric Berry is a freaking warrior. One of my favorite players to watch, cancer survivor. He had an amazing game yesterday against the Patriots to help the Chiefs beat New England. For him to be out for the season, that is so tough. He is such a dynamic player. Very, very tough loss there for Kansas City. We'll see uh, what kind of fallout uh, comes from that. But prayers up for Eric Berry. Tough, tough absence to overcome for for the Chiefs after starting the year on such a high with a win in Foxborough. That's tough. Uh, But the Seahawks do win that season opener, have home field, and then when the Packers come back for the NFC Championship game, it's in Seattle because Seattle won that Week 1 game. And you forget about that. Then it's one of the craziest NFC Championship games we've ever seen. 16-0, Packers lead at halftime. Then the Seahawks get a fake field goal touchdown pass from John Ryan to Kerry Gilliam. Just, you can't make this stuff up. John Ryan, first punter in history to have a postseason touchdown pass. It's 19-7, though, with three minutes left in the game. Seahawks drive down, get a touchdown. Wilson on the read option to make it 19-14 with 2.20 to go. Then they have to kick an onside kick. They do, thanks to Brandon Bostic forgetting to do his job and blocking the Seahawks to allow Jordy Nelson to recover the ball. Instead, Bostic jumps up to try to retrieve the onside kick himself and famously it goes off his helmet and none other than Chris Matthews, who was just signed a couple of weeks prior, recovered it for the Seahawks. The first of some heroic moments for Matthews in the last two games of the season. The Seahawks go down, score a touchdown with Marshawn Lynch going into the end zone with a minute 15 to go. Then the two-point conversion, which I, I easily forget. But without this two-point conversion, the Seahawks don't win the game, it turns out. Uh, Wilson rolling to his right under pressure. Luke Wilson, who is an eligible receiver but was in pass protection for this play until Wilson started scrambling and Luke escapes out the side. And Wilson throws this helium ball in the air across the field from the right side to the left side. And ha-ha, Clinton Dix is in perfect position to at least knock the ball down, maybe pick it off. He doesn't make a play on the ball, and it falls right into the arms of Luke Wilson for a miraculous two-point conversion. Without that, the Seahawks don't win because there's still a minute 15 to go, and Aaron Rodgers with a bum hamstring, and then Richard Sherman playing in this game with a broken arm pretty much. Rodgers drives down the Packers, and Mason Crosby hits a 47-yard field goal to tie the game uh, to force it into overtime. But it's only tied because... The Wilson-to-Wilson miracle two-point conversion. Seahawks win the coin toss. Take the uh, the opening drive. Big third down pass from Wilson to Baldwin on a beautiful throw. And then first and 10 the next play after that. The uh, the check 50 audible by Russell Wilson. And Jermaine Curse runs the inside post and is able to make the catch for the game-winning touchdown to send the Seahawks back to the Super Bowl. What a game. I mean, what an absolute game. Russell Wilson threw five interceptions in that game somehow the Seahawks still come out on top. Uh, They lose, of course, heartbreaking fashion to the New England Patriots in Super Bowl 49. 2015, the Seahawks went 0-2 to start the year, and their second loss was to the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau Field. Seahawks had a 17-16 lead at the end of three quarters, but Green Bay, 11 points unanswered in the fourth quarter to win by 10, 27-17, which at the time was actually the uh, most lopsided defeat in the Pete Carroll, John Schneider, Russell Wilson era. Uh, was that 10-point loss in Green Bay. Rodgers had a couple TDs, so small revenge win for the Packers in that game, coming off the heels of the Seahawks losing to the Rams in St. Louis the week prior to that. Then in 2016, this was last year, uh, Seahawks went into Lambeau in week 14. It was like 27 degrees. There was snow overnight, snow early in the morning. It finally cleared up for this game, but Aaron Rodgers was just on fire. Three touchdown passes, 18 for 23. 23. Uh, this ultimately was the worst loss of the Pete Carroll, John Schneider era, 38 to 10, another five interception performance for Russell Wilson. He also threw five picks against the Packers, of course, in the 2014 NFC title game. And this was the first game though, that the Seahawks were without Earl Thomas and Steven Terrell got exposed like crazy in this game. A real, real tough game for him. Um, So Packers win it 38 to 10. They're in the middle of their six game win streak to finish the year and Ultimately, the Seahawks would go 10-5-1. They would win a wild card game and lose to Atlanta in the divisional. The Packers would win a wild card game at home over the Giants. Then they would win on the road in the divisional in Dallas, and then they would lose to Atlanta in the NFC title game. And uh, they go 10-6 and six for the regular season. All in all, what a series it's been, Packers-Seahawks, and now it's the sixth meeting in six years between the two teams. Uh, this being year number six that Russell Wilson's been in the league. Seattle has three and two in the previous five meetings with a uh, postseason win in the NFC title game. But, of course, Green Bay has won each of the last two meetings. So week one of the NFL season, <clears throat> I personally, and look, we talk prognostications for the season. It's pretty simple at this point. Uh, I love the Seattle defense, especially after the trade of, to, uh, of getting Sheldon Richardson from the New York Jets for Jermaine Kurz. Big fan of that. But ultimately, I I just don't – I can't pick a team that has the offensive line Seattle has to win the Super Bowl. I can't do it. And so I won't do it. Um, I'm actually picking the Packers to win the Super Bowl this year to beat New England, and it will be Green Bay-Seattle in the NFC title game. I think Green Bay wins this game on Sunday afternoon and ultimately will host the NFC title game and beat the Seahawks in the NFC title game as well. But, of course, I'm rooting wholeheartedly against all of that. Uh, Very quickly, the Seahawks did cut down their roster to 53. Um, A few of the notable cuts, Cason Williams didn't make the squad. Uh, Marcel Reese, the fullback, didn't make the squad. A couple other players, uh, Atiba Rubin had his veteran contract terminated. Mike Morgan, longtime face on this roster, played under Pete Carroll at USC. He had his veteran uh, contract terminated as well. as The Seahawks did everything to get back to uh, 53 men, and they did just that. Of course, they acquired Sheldon Richardson, which really took the NFL world by storm last Friday when we were talking about this on the podcast and traded Jermaine Kirsch. That was in its rumor phase, and me and Perkins uh, broke that down initially. But now that it's happened— uh, the Seahawks very clearly have the best pass rush on paper in the entire league with Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett, Sheldon Richardson, Frank Clark, and uh, even the depth pieces behind them, Jaron Reed, uh, Nazir Jones, uh, Quentin Richardson. They're looking pretty good and, and, and are going to totally, totally be a lot to handle for opposing offensive lines. That's very exciting because it makes the jobs of K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner and and um, Michael Will Hoyt. That outside linebacker, of course, Earl Thomas and uh, and Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman and Shaquille Griffin or Jeremy Lane or whoever plays that other cornerback spot. It makes their jobs incredibly easier, and uh, that's pretty exciting to think about, the, the, the amount of pass rush and the amount of interior pass rush that Sheldon Richardson will provide. It's just going to be so key for this team. They also made a couple more trades, did the Seahawks acquiring cornerback Justin Coleman from the Patriots. Uh, Coleman played pretty well. Okay, the last couple of years, um, he was like the fourth quarterback on the Patriot roster. Um, they traded him for a seventh round pick to New England and then a, just a day or two later, they traded Cassius Marsh back to the Patriots, got that seventh round pick back that they got that they traded for Justin Coleman also got a fifth round pick in that too. So ultimately the Seahawks get rid of uh, Cassius Marsh and they've added a fifth round pick and they've added Justin Coleman for cornerback depth. They also traded away Tremaine Brock last Friday to the Vikings for a seventh-round pick. So when it's all said and done, Justin Coleman, you bring him for cornerback depth. Uh, you add a couple of seventh-round picks, one from the Patriots, one from the Vikings, um, and, well, really just one and all because you got that seventh-round pick back that you originally dealt to New England, and you gain a fifth-round pick from New England that you had for Cassius Marsh, and Cassius had a tough tough go of it last night trying to uh, <laughs> run around Kareem Hunt and the Chiefs in his debut with the uh, New England Patriots. Uh, The Seahawks also made their team captain announcements. It will be Russell Wilson, Bobby Wagner, Cam Chancellor, and John Ryan. And uh, that brings us to week one in this matchup with the Green Bay Packers. Um, I obviously am very bullish on the Seahawks defensively. I'm intrigued to see what the Seahawks offense will have. And I think it's going to be good. Uh, You got... Tyler Lockett coming back in this game. We haven't seen him at all in the preseason, but he's raring to go. There's questions about the Seattle run game because high ankle sprain to Thomas Rawls that he's been nursing since the preseason opener against the Chargers. I think he'll be ready to go, but he's still showing up as questionable on the injury report. Eddie Lacy making his return to Green Bay after playing there for four years. That's going to be a storyline to follow. He's got some ankle issues, but not too bad. He's reportedly hit all the weight incentives that he's needed to make some extra bonus money. So he should be in good shape for this one. Of course, CJ pro who missed a, l- a good portion of the end of the season last year with some rib injury and a, and a wrist injury. He is back and fully healthy. Going to be exciting to see at what kind of role pro has in the offense. He showed a lot of promise early and Chris Carson, seventh round on pick out of Oklahoma state dominated in the preseason, earned himself a roster spot, He's there. Uh, J.D. McKissick, who was great in the return game, he made the 53-man at the receiver position. Mentioned Tyler Lockett returning. Paul Richardson is fully healthy and ready to go after a little injury scare a couple of weeks ago. And, of course, you got the reliable Doug Baldwin and Jimmy Graham ready to make a difference for this team. I could certainly talk myself into believing that this is going to be a great year for the Seahawks offense. But as I learned last year, you got to you prove me wrong. I, my default setting will be to doubt the offensive line until they prove me wrong. And they did prove me wrong against Detroit last year in the wild card game, but that was an outlier, it turns out, because they struggled right back again against Atlanta. Riso Diombo in particular, who is going to be the man reportedly taking over at left tackle now that George Fant is gone for the season. So too many questions for me to be comfortable. Too many questions for me to say that this is going to go well. However, if the offensive line performs, I believe everything else falls into place. If the running game is above average, the passing game should be above average, if not excellent. And hopefully Russell Wilson gets back to that form where he ended 2015 with one of the most historic second halves of a season that any quarterback has had in history. Hopefully he can channel that again. Um, It's also interesting to get the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers in week one of the season as opposed to Week 14 when they were in the middle of a six-game win streak in one of the hottest teams in the league, especially playing at home last year. And that was your first game without Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas is back. Cam is back. Everybody's healthy. So from a personnel perspective, I think that favors the Seahawks. But at the same time, they look a little bit different as well. Uh, Shaquille Griffin, a rookie starting at cornerback, he'll have to go up against a guy like probably Devontae Adams or Randall Cobb. It'll be interesting to see what how Richard Sherman is employed. Will he follow Jordy Nelson or will they opt to follow Devontae Adams? Will he just stay on the left side like he used to uh, before he started all this following business too? Uh, Richard's going to be good wherever he goes. I know he struggles a little bit more trying to man up against guys on the slot than just locking down guys on the left side. Um, but hopefully the pass rush is there and it's firing on all cylinders. You know Aaron Rodgers is going to be in tip-top shape. This is going to be a great football game. Everybody's healthy. All the key players are ready to go. Earl Thomas being able to play in this game as opposed to the first game being without Earl from last year. That's going to make a huge difference. Ty Montgomery with running the football Green Bay's offensive line while losing a couple of guys like TJ Lang going to Detroit in the offseason. It's probably going to hurt them a little bit, but marginally, you know, matter of degree there, it's still a good offensive line. and It's still a better offensive line than what Seattle has. Ultimately, I think this is going to be a heck of a football game played. Uh, Seattle has every right in the world to think that they can win this game. Absolutely. I think Seattle is one of the best teams in the NFC, if not the league. I am just going to go with the Green Bay Packers to win. Um, My score is going to be 30-27 to in overtime, just because that's a reflection of of how close I think this this game is. And uh, because we're a little bit short on time, I can't go into any further detail on that other than I've got the Packers winning by a field goal in overtime against the Seahawks. All right, now let's close up with a uh, Week 1 pick By the way, I have the Seahawks ultimately this season going uh, 12-4, and winning the NFC West and going to the NFC Championship game as a two-seed and losing to the Packers in the Championship game. Pretty much ditto of what, what I think is going to happen tomorrow. That's just a prediction, and, and I hope to God I'm wrong, obviously, as a Seahawks fan. Uh, Jets and Bills in Buffalo, 10 a.m. on CBS. Buffalo, an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Give me the Bills to win. Bears and Falcons, um, Atlanta, six-and-a-half-point favorite. I like Atlanta. That will be my eliminator pick as well. Atlanta wins week one. Ravens, Bengals, and Cincinnati. I just think Cincinnati is just a better football team overall. Healthy Tyler Eifert will help. Andy Dalton should help. Uh, AJ Green being there. Uh, Run game looks good. Joe Mixon, despite having a very, uh, you know, He's got a a tough history that is still. uh, I'm still working on resolving that in my head, but he's a good football player. Should provide a nice dynamic to that offense, strictly speaking. I'll take the Bengals to beat the Ravens. Steelers to beat the Browns in Cleveland. Uh, I'll take the um, Cardinals to beat the Lions on the road. Big day for Larry Fitzgerald coming up in that one. Texans will beat the Jaguars at home. I have the Titans beating the Raiders at home. Eagles beating the Redskins in Washington. Uh, Rams beating the Colts in L.A., and the uh, Panthers getting it done in San Francisco to beat the 49ers in Kyle Shanahan's debut. Sunday Night Football, I will take the Giants to beat the Cowboys, even though Zeke's going to play. Had the Patriots last night. Monday Night Football, I will take the Vikings to beat the Saints and the Chargers to win in Denver on the road against the Broncos. Let me uh, fire up Brian Perkins' NFL pick-em picks as well before I forget. Give him a shot at this. La, 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 la. Okay, he's got Patriots, Bills, Texans, Steelers, Cardinals, Falcons, Titans, Bengals, Eagles, Rams, Panthers, Packers, Cowboys, Saints, Chargers. Wow, the only game that we differ on. We have the Cowboys and the Saints um, different. I've got the Giants winning and the Vikings winning. He takes the Cowboys and he takes the Saints. Everything else is identical. Uh, We also already missed our first game with the Patriots losing to the Chiefs at home. He also has the Packers winning. I'm not sure what his score is, but mine's 30-27 to in overtime. Packers to beat the Seahawks, uh, rooting for everything otherwise. Got to wrap it up here, short on time. We'll be back again Monday to review this game. 125 kickoff, nationally televised on Fox. Enjoy it. Go Seahawks.